All right. Well, good morning to you. It is good to be back with you. Thank you so much for allowing us the time to get away. You do that for your staff. And boy, did we get away. We were out like out in the middle of nowhere. We uh, took a, our first cruise and we cruised out in the Caribbean Sea. And for a whole day, you see a few birds. You saw no porpoises. You saw no whales. You saw no islands. And, of course, I was on the boat with 4,600 of my closest friends. So I didn't feel too lonely anyway about that. But anyway, it was a wonderful time. Thank you so much for allowing that. And I'm excited today as I watch this video and and the music today. I'm just so excited about this new series that we're embarking on today. And it's entitled, I bet you can tell, If We're Honest. If We're Honest. And sometimes that's harder than it seems for us to be. Um, I think it's because being transparent is dangerous. Um, you know, often we don't want people to see really who we are and what we're struggling with because we're afraid they'll just dislike us or, or cast us away or push us away or think less than that. So consequently, what we do things to compensate and, and what we often do is, is we put on different masks. We put on different masks. Um, I've got some here. I, I ordered these for us, you know, and like sometimes it looks like something like, uh, this, you know. Sometimes it looks like that, you know, and sometimes, sometimes, oh, here's a good one. Y'all right? I know y'all probably can't even see these. This is the Superman mask. Sometimes when we're weakest, we put on this facade that says, I'm Superman, I can do anything. And then I think this is supposed to be Thor, and we just say, you know, that, you know, I can do anything, I'm strong, I'm powerful. Um, and then... You know, some of these, I bought these, and I'm not sure some of them are. I think this, I don't know what this guy is. He's got the, David will tell me later. David, tell me who these are later on, okay? I just grabbed these. Now, this one I do know, I'm almost positive, this one is Wonder Woman, I think. I think. Hi, y'all. All All right, so anyway. But anyway, so what we do is we put on different masks to compensate. So what I want to do is over the next, gosh, I think it's like, like seven weeks, we're going to look at a couple of things. We're going to look at different topics, and you saw them in the video. Like today, we're talking about, I'm lost. I'm lost. And, and how we need to really be transparent about that and determine and make sure that we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're overwhelmed. Um, sometimes we're ang- uh, bitter. You know, different things. And what we want to do is, just to make it interesting for the younger folks who know about this stuff, Every week, we're going to kind of introduce one of Marvel's superheroes, okay? So we're going to introduce a superhero each week because that's what we do. We put on this facade, and often it's some kind of a superhero so people won't see really who we are. And so today, you know, if we're honest, if we're honest, I'm lost. I'm lost. Now, I know there's different kinds of loss. There's like, you know, I'm lost, I'm clueless. You ask me about something, I go, gee, I'm lost. I don't know. I'm clueless about that. And sometimes we men are famous, we get in the car, and we don't have the GPS, and, and the wife doesn't have the address, and we get lost. Of course, we'll never admit we're lost, uh, but we do get lost. But the lost I'm talking about today is the lostness of our eternal souls, that we don't know or don't care where we're going to spend eternity. That's a dangerous kind of of loss. Now, our superhero this week is this guy, and this one I do know, and it is Captain America. 
Okay? Now, I know, again, the younger folks, those probably 50 and down, are very familiar with these masks and who they are because in the Marvel kingdom, they developed all these uh, characters, these heroes that came from the comic books, a lot of them when I was a lot younger myself, and, and if not, right after that. And so they, wore, they had this, this idea of the comic books and then turned them into movies. Now, Captain America um, is the perfect moralist. I mean, Captain America, now, I, I'm, I'm really not going to take the time how he came about and all that stuff. That's, I'm not, I just won't take the time to do that. But Captain America in the movies and in the comic books is the perfect moralist. And he's a great patriot. Um, boy, you're talking about a moral person. I love it in one of the movies, one of the other superheroes lets slip a mild curse word. And I think on the, on the microphone thing, you know, that they all have mics, they talk to one another. And Captain America says, watch the mouth. Watch the mouth. No potty mouth. No potty mouth. And so he's a real good moralist. Doesn't smoke. Doesn't drink. Doesn't do drugs. I mean, he, you know, if, if, if truly, if, you know, if he could date your daughter and marry her, you, boy, you would want that very much. He's a great, great guy. And here's the deal. And that's all fine and that's all good. But here's the deal. When it comes to salvation, that's just a dangerous place to be. A dangerous place to be. So, I want to go today to Luke chapter 15, and I really want to spend the entire time we've got together talking about lostness. Talk about lostness. Now, a couple of caveats. First off, on the sermon sheet, I think you're going to find it's either New King James or ESV. Well, I studied on the boat, okay, and I didn't know what translation I used. I didn't have internet access or any of that. So I studied from the CSV. Uh, uh, Christian Standard Bible, CSB. And so that's what we're going to use today. So your sermon sheet's going to be a little bit different as far as the uh, translation goes. Don't let that throw you, okay? And also, we changed the order just a little bit. I've asked Patty to work with me on that, changing the order. Because as I was out there studying in the middle of the Caribbean Sea, um, God just really, I, I honestly, showed me something that would help us understand lostness today. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15, it's a, it's a very familiar scripture. It's one I, I looked at my schedule, and I think last fall, but I promise you this is something totally different, a totally different take of Luke chapter 15 and the stories about lostness. And I love the way this story is introduced. I loved it because, again, these wonderful songs um, that David and David sang today, the last one David sang in this special song is just wonderful. It's just beautiful how it talks about God. So in Luke chapter 15, verse number 1, uh, it says this, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, him being Jesus. So all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And here's what's really cool is, is that the fact that if you take a spectrum, if you take a scale of sinness, okay, on this side, if this was one to ten and ten was being the worst, okay, Tax collectors would be here. You've heard me say this before. I mean, tax collectors were worse than prostitutes and murderers and liars and cheats and politicians. Just all kinds. Just all kinds. I mean, they were so bad. Okay? And then way over here, you would have your everyday sinner. Just your everyday, you know... Joe, who goes to church, who go to temple, you know, and offer his sacrifices and all that kind of things. You'd have this normal sinner here. And I want you to notice that these people, these two spectrums, come to Jesus. All the tax collectors. Oh, what's that doing down there? Oh, you can turn it down now. 
There we go. All right. So all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. Now, I remember Andy Stanley said a long time ago something that really I've never forgotten. He said he found it quite amazing, okay, that, that um, sinners and tax collectors would be drawn to Jesus, okay, who was the exact opposite of them and totally comfortable, totally comfortable. It's so cool that people like the worst sinners and the everyday sinner would come to Jesus and be totally comfortable around him. How amazing is that? And, and, the, and even the better part is, now listen, Jesus was comfortable around them. It just doesn't make any sense. It's the craziest thing. And, and I love this because in verse number 2, the Bible says, And the Pharisees and scribes, now they were like the religious elite, they were the ones who specialized in keeping the law and understanding the law, okay? They were, like, they were like off the scale legalists and lawless, okay? So the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, okay? Because they saw this rabbi welcoming these people, these, these big sinners and little sinners, and they were just flocking to him, and they were complaining about it. And here's what they said. This man, this man welcomes Sinners and eats with them. Not only does he talk with them, he has dinner with them. Not only does he have dinner with them, he welcomes them. Now, I love this. I love this. You know, Jesus would have a group of sinners and welcome them into his presence. And you know what? He did do that, and he does do that. I want you to know something. If you're here today and you go, sinner, that's me. I know it. I'm not, I, I, I know I'm, you know, if there's a hell, I'm going to it. Okay? Well, I want you to know something. It's really cool that if Jesus was standing here today, and since he is, he would welcome you into his presence. He wouldn't care if you're on this side of the scale and you'd be the worst sinner in the house today or on the radio, or if you're on this side and you're just like an everyday like sinner. And that's what we're going to talk about today, those two extremes. He would welcome you. And, and the Pharisees and scribes freaked out. But you know, I think it's funny. It was worse than they thought. Because not only did this man welcome sinners and eat with them, they didn't know who this man really was. This man was God. This man was God. Amen. I love it. I love it. It wasn't like he was just a rabbi teacher. He was 100% God in the flesh. And God in the flesh sits down and has dinner with sinners. God in the flesh sits down and welcomes sinners into his presence. Wow. You need to know that. Because enough preachers have told you what scum you are. Enough church members have made you feel bad enough to where you don't want to come to church anymore. Okay, you tried it once and you felt like a condemned criminal and a second-class citizen. I'm here to tell you, if Jesus was here, he would sit down and have dinner with you. And he'd welcome you. And you don't know why? Because exactly what David Hicks led to sing. Because of his love. And what David Nave led us to sing. His grace. I, I had to get this. I was hoping he'd leave his words up here. If I should speak then, let it be. 
of the grace that is greater than all my sin, of when justice was served and where mercy wins, of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of him. That's the best news ever. And so here we have this situation where, where sinners and, you know, the worst kind, the best kind are coming, or the, the least kind are coming into him. He's eating them, welcoming them. The sinners, or the scribes and Pharisees are complaining about it. And Jesus decides to tell a story. And really what we have today are three stories. We have a story about sheep. We have a story about coins. And we have a story about sons. Now, I... For a reason, and I'll show you the reason in just a moment, I want to look at, we're going to kind of like parallel park. We're going to pull up to the middle of the parking spot. We're going to start in the middle instead of the very beginning. We're going to back in, and then we're going to pull forward and back up again. So we're going to tell the story of the coins first. Then we're going to tell the story of the sheep. And then we're going to tell the story of the sons. But here's the deal. All three stories teach the same thing. Lostness. Lostness. You know, these three stories tell us the gospel, an over, overshelling of the, overshell of the gospel in three words. Lost, found, celebrate. Lost, found, celebrate. Dwayne, tell me the story of the gospel. Lost, found, celebrate. Three words. Three words. Lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Lost. Every person is lost. You were born lost. You are lost by choice. All mankind is lost. Found. The Bible says that if we will turn from our sin, the word repent, Jesus uses it extensively in this scripture. And, and if we're willing to turn from our sin, that means to change directions, but also to change our mind, to change our attitude, then we can be found when we choose to follow Jesus. And you know what we don't do well? Celebrate. 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 Did you know the Christian life should be one continual party? Now, come on. The Christian life should be one continual party. I mean, uh, Judy, is, she is a picture-taken, like, wow woman. You know, you know, take my picture. Let me take your picture. Take a picture of this and take a picture of that. And, and I've noticed something. I, I, I really, you know, I, I think I've been told I have a friendly face. It must be because when I walk around Walmart, everybody smiles and says hi at me. I don't know if it's out of sympathy or because I'm smiling and don't know it. But, but several of the pictures that she took on this cruise, um, I noticed I've got this, this stoic, you know, climb every mountain, you know. Look, you know, and, and I wonder, you know, I wonder like, you know, do people, does that reflect Jesus? You know, so what I'm trying to say is we got to be careful how we act and how we look because we don't want to portray the wrong story about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Jesus did not give us the flu. He gave us eternal life. God did not give us a, a stomach ache. He gave us eternal life. So we should party continuously, especially we should celebrate our own new birth. And every time someone comes to the kingdom, we should break into a party. Every church service should be like electric. Come on, it should be electric with the energy of the Holy Spirit. Because we've got something to celebrate. So the gospel in a nutshell... Lost, every person's sin, found, if we'll return from our sin, changing our attitude and our actions, and choose to follow Jesus, and there's a cause to celebrate. So he gives us 
three stories. So we're going to pull up to the parking spot, and we're going to start in the middle. And it starts in verse number 8 of Luke chapter 15. Verse number 8 of Luke chapter 15. So here's how it starts. What woman who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search it carefully until she finds it? Now, you really need to understand, again, to get the picture, these were not like just any coins. These coins were her dowry, okay? And she would either wear them around her forehead or around her waist. And that was her dowry when the time came for her to be married, okay? And so, if you lost one, now, she could say, well, you know, I've still got nine, okay? But when we're talking about the dowry, the the power is in the complete set, Okay, so to lose one of these coins is not just losing 10%. It's losing the value of the set. So we see her and she loses this coin. And so what does she do? The Bible says what she does is she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house and searches carefully until she finds it. And the reason why there is value in the coin. There's that. Now, there's a monetary value, but there's an emotional value to it. It's special to her. Now, we see our first view of lostness here. The coin, have you heard the saying, you know, money talks? Well, if our silver coin could talk, the silver coin might say these things. Yes, I am valuable, and this is not my fault. If you'll notice clearly, this Bible says, she lost the coin. I am totally innocent. I've done nothing wrong. It's not my fault that I'm lost. And you say, well, how does that tie into us? Because that's what our friend Captain America would say. The great moralist would say, look, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't run around with people who do. I do all the right things things. If there's a lost problem, it's God's problem because he doesn't recognize goodness when he sees it. Well, Mr. Coin, you're wrong. You're wrong. You see, the problem is the coin is still lost. Now, if you're here today and you say, Dwayne, if anyone does, have you heard this before? If anyone deserves heaven, It's me. I go to church. I've been baptized. I don't smoke and have not. I don't chew and I have not. And I don't drink either and never have. I've done it all. Why would I need a rescuer? Why would I need to be found when obviously I'm not lost? Well, you forgot one thing. The Bible says that every person has sinned against God. That is, we have sinned by choice and we are sinners by nature. So if you're here today, and by the way, this is my story. Dave, you taught Dave Navy, you sang about my story. This is my story. In church all my life, singing in a gospel quartet, in church three times a week. Never drank, never smoked. I was the guy that you want your daughter to date. Lost. And one day, October 26, 1975, God finally showed me and said, Dwayne, your goodness will never be enough. 
And I was found that day. I turned from my sins. I believed in Jesus. And I chose to follow him. And that's my story. That's my story. And so the woman searches until she, she finally finds it. And watch, look at verse number 9. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. Let's celebrate. Why are we celebrating? Lost, found, celebrate. The coin was lost. It's found and it celebrates. Now watch what Jesus says here. It's amazing. He says, rejoice with me because I found the silver coin I lost. And here's what Jesus said. I tell you in the same way, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who what? Repents. Who changes his mind. Who changes his attitude and chooses to follow Jesus. So today, if you would identify with Captain America, and you're saying, Dwayne, I've gone to church all my life. I, I'm just telling you. Make sure you're leaning on Jesus and not a steeple. Make sure you're leaning on Jesus and not works. Make sure you're leaning on Jesus and not a denomination. Because steeples and works and denominations will not get you to heaven. But Jesus Christ can and will. He can and will. No matter how moral you see yourself, without Jesus, you are lost. I remember an illustration that Andy Stanley also used. I've used it a long time. It's a really great story. He said one day he was flying out of Atlanta airport, and he was like one minute late. You know, they, you know, they closed the door, I think, like 10 minutes till departure. They closed the door. And once the door is closed, it's closed. So he shows up like one minute late to the door. And he looks at the lady and says, ma'am, I really need to get on this plane. I'm sorry the door is closed. Now, you don't understand. I'm just one minute late. And this is a true story. I'm just one minute late. Now, I'm sorry. We can't open the door. And so about three minutes later, while he's still arguing with the lady, another person shows up and says, and finally a third person shows up like seven minutes later. He understood why they should not be on the plane, but he couldn't understand why he couldn't get on the plane. Why? Because he was late. You may say, well, Dwayne, I understand why the worst person, I know some people, they don't deserve heaven. I'm just telling you, I'm pretty good. I just know you don't deserve heaven. You deserve hell. But God who is rich in mercy, but God who is rich in mercy, loves you enough and waits to forgive your sins. Waiting for you to be lost so you can be found, so there can be a celebration in your honor. So then, now we jump up to verse number four, and we see the second story about lawness. Lostness. Now, here the Bible says, What man among you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them? Now, this is a different level. This steps up from here to here. There is an economic situation and there is an emotional situation. Economic, because every sheep matters. Every sheep matters. Okay, um, when I was watching, oh, right before I went on vacation, there was a thing called Extreme Wonders. And it's a story about a people group. He lived up in the uh, Antarctic Circle. And they raised reindeer. Guess how many reindeer this one guy had? 5,000. 5,000. And when it warmed up, they would take the reindeer from the south to the north, where the grass now was exposed because the ice melted. So they would make this 500-mile trek. Someone say 500 miles. 
he would take this trek and leading 5,000 reindeer. Well, guess what happened? He wasn't the only one on the road, and a herd got mixed up. So now there's like 9,000 reindeer. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I'm telling you this is what they said. That dude, the shepherd, if you want to call him, I'm not sure what you call a reindeer keeper person, but we'll call him a shepherd, was able to spot every one of his sheep by visual identification. He literally knew every reindeer by eyesight. And in two hours' time, he was able to separate the herds. Is that amazing? It's amazing. That's, listen, and every reindeer was that important. He could not afford to lose one of them. I was blown away. We met this guy named Dennis on this cruise. And Dennis was the dining room supervisor, at least for half of it. And so every hour or so, about three to 400 people would pass under his gaze. And he would go around to every table and introduce himself and garner our names. Hi, I'm Dennis. What's your name? Dwayne and Judy. That man would meet us once and for the rest of the week knew us by our first name. And not only us, but every guest. You know why? We were important. We were important. It's important. So when this man, when Jesus says he had a hundred sheep and lost one of them, you're beginning to get a picture. I mean, this sheep was very important. And not only that, not only that every sheep back in those days, there was an emotional attachment. It's almost like the family pet. So there's this emotional energy going on, and there's this economic energy going on. So he loses one of the sheep. He does, and Jesus says, now you know what he does? He leaves the 90 and 9 in the open field and goes after the lost one. How long? Until he finds it. Until he finds it. And then, when he's found it, what does he do? He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He comes home. He calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Let's party! Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. Wow. Do you, are you getting the picture here? Because see, Jesus says in verse 7, I tell you, In the same way, just like the shepherd had an investment attachment, just like the shepherd had had an emotional attachment to that sheep and looked until he found it, okay, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who does what? Repents. Repents. Who changes his, who's lost, he changes his mind, he changes his attitude, he changes his actions, and chooses to follow the shepherd. There's one, there's more rejoicing over that than 99 righteous people who don't think they even need rescuing. How about that? Now, you're probably here today and you're saying, well, Dwayne, when you talk about that coin thing, I knew that wasn't me. Because you see, I know I'm a sinner. Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not the tax collector. I'm not a real bad sinner. But just like a sheep has a tendency to wander away, well, sometimes I have a tendency to wonder. So yes, I've sinned. Not as bad as the tax collector, but I have sinned. But there's one thing you need to know. You're still lost. You're still lost. There's no giant scale out there. God's not going to say, well, you did pretty good. So we'll let you sneak in. No. Again, the song said there's justice and there's mercy because God is a just God. He declared that the payment for sin is death. And then paid the price on a Roman cross. Why? 
Look at me. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. He loves you. And then we get to our third story. The big one. He takes it now all the way to a different level. We go from we go from ten coins and losing one. We've got we've got a hundred sheep and we lose one. And then we got these two sons. And you know the story, the first part. I'll just read through it. He said, also, there's a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate. I have come unto me. So he distributed the assets to him. Now, now I want to make it very clear from the beginning. This is different. This is different. You had the coin who, if money could talk, would say, look, I did nothing. Okay, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good coin. I'm just laying here ended up getting lost. Or you might say, oh, I identify with the sheep. Hi, I'm a sheep. And I just kind of wandered off. This story, this is the guy. This is the guy who would say, if there's a heaven and a hell, I know where I'm going, and it's hell. This is the guy that we're going to watch willfully walk as far as ways he, he can from God. And you may be here. You may be going, you know what, Dwayne? Here's the deal, dude. You can about God all you want to. You can about God all you want to. But there's no way he could love me. Because, man, my sin list is long and deep and dark. Well, have I got a story for you today. So this guy gets his bucks. And you're going to see, in verse 13, you see the first of, of four time phrases and words. Not many days later, there's a time, as soon as he got his money, not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant, distant country. He went as far as he could away from the father. And that might describe you today. You say, Dwayne, I never was close to God, but I know one thing, I'm a lot further now than I've ever been. There's a lot of water under that bridge. And I've wandered away and ran away and ran away and run away. One of the songs David leads us into says, and as I ran my hell-bound race, and you say, that's me. I'm running, I'm running full steam ahead as fast as I can to eternity lost without Christ. I know it. I don't deserve heaven. And God could never, never love me. Well, he says, he went to a distant country. And he squandered everything he had. He wasted everything he had. And then we come to time word number two. In verse number 14, after. After. After he spent everything, a severe famine struck that land, and he had nothing. Now, I think this is amazing. There's a purpose here. See, you're saying God could never love you. I got bigger news than that. God's seeking you. God's seeking you. He, he loves you so much. And again, I wish I could demonstrate this. I wish we could see the, the gory of the blood of Jesus, a broken body, a, a, a broken man as he hung on the cross, the God-man, experiencing the full wrath of God as he paid for our sin debt. I've often said, and I'll say it again this morning, if you ever doubt the love of God for you, look at this. If your circumstances have you thinking, God doesn't love me anymore, you just remember that. Let that remind you of how much he loves you. So, he spends everything, and a famine comes. 
Coincidence? Coincidence that he spends his money and then the famine comes? Coincidence that what could help him through a famine is now gone? No, sir. God is implementing circumstances in his life to woo him to himself. God takes away the God he had, which is money, what he worshipped. Puts him in a situation where he thinks he's dying, so he'll discover who loves him. Who loves him. So the famine comes, and he had how much? Nothing. Zero. He had nothing absolutely left. Now, this is first opportunity. This is first opportunity to go, oh, I don't have anything. Maybe I should go home. But he doesn't even see it. He does what we do. He works to fix it. Look what it says. And this is why I want this translation. Look, look at verse number 15. And this is, our, this is our third time word. Then, then, then he went to work. And should we start to wake up and our life is such a disaster, we bumped in so many walls and we've made so many bad choices and there's so many regrets and there's so many circumstances, there's so many messes on aisle three that we finally, we choose to fix it. I don't know if men are famous for this, but I think we are. Self-medication. You know, you're tired, so you look on the internet and discover you have leukemia. We self-medicate. Did you know what happens with God? When we finally wake up a little bit, when we start dawning a little bit, and we realize what a mess we're in, we try to fix it ourselves. What did Adam and Eve do? Found themselves some fig leaves. And covered up their nakedness, their shame. And the Bible says here, he went to work. He was determined to fix the situation himself. For some of you, if you're an alcoholic, you go to, to you know, to, to Alcoholics Anonymous. If you're, if you're, if you're messed up here, you go to a psychiatrist. You know, if you're, if you're hooked on drugs, you do celebrate recovery. We try different things to fix the things. Guess what? Self-medication doesn't work spiritually. Self-medication does not work spiritually. Look what happens. He went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Now, we could talk about Jewish boys and all that, but that's not the point. The point is this. Look what it says. He longed to fill his to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. See, self-work never works. Some of you, some of you, maybe today, maybe on the radio, some of you have sat there and said, you know, I need to start going to church. I have made a life mess. I need to go to church. I need to quit or I need to start. Now you need Jesus. (laughs) I, I don't want to sound like a preacher, but see, Jesus is the fix. Religion's not. Quitting and starting's not. Keeping the rules is not. Being a better person is not. Jesus is, I'm going to say it slow and clearly, Jesus is the fix. So here he is, in verse 17 it says, and this is the fourth time word, when he came to his senses. Now, now we see here, and it's one of the things the Lord showed me out in the middle of the Caribbean Sea um, on the boat. You know, we see an interest in the Father aroused. We see an interest in the Father aroused. Through the famine 
And through the failure of his self-medication, God begins arousing an awareness. Now, who, who begins arousing? God does. Not him. God arouses himself in this man. And here's what he says. How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough, and here I am dying of hunger. God arouses. Now, now you, you know about, like, sweet tea. Now, sometimes you go to a restaurant, and they don't have sweet tea. Now, let me tell you, you don't need to go back to that restaurant. Okay? If a restaurant doesn't have sweet tea, you just don't need to go. But, but let's say you go to the first time, and they bring you a glass of unsweetened tea. That's kind of like turkey bacon. There ain't no such thing as turkey bacon. Dave Higgs will tell you. Bacon, turkey, they don't go together. Unsweetened tea, what? So, so you said, um, can I get a spoon, please? And you get the sugar jar. And you start spooning in sugar. Now, for good southern tea and a 16-ounce glass, you probably need 14 tablespoons. I would say just to be about right, okay? So, so you start dumping in the sugar, okay? Now, you take a drink of that and you go... That's not sweet. You know why I come? You gotta stir it. You gotta stir it. You get yourself a spoon and start sloshing around there at the bottom of that cup, sloshing around, getting that sugar dissolving and going, and what's at the bottom comes to the top. And when that happens, you don't have the best sweet tea, but you got sweet tea. You ever made chocolate milk before? You squirt it in your Hershey's syrup. You squirt it down there. And you can see an inch of chocolate syrup down there. But unless you stir it up, what's at the bottom stays at the bottom. What are you trying to say, Dwayne? I'm trying to tell you this. God loves you enough to stir His interest in you and, and your interest in Him. He stirs it up. You say, Dwayne, why not? how does that work? Well, you see here, he says, look, I, you know, how many of my father's, he remembered, how many of my father's workers have food enough to eat? I don't have anything. All of a sudden, what didn't make any sense, which was the Father, starts making sense. Let me say that again for you, just in case you missed it. What made no sense in the beginning of the story, I don't want nothing to do with the Father, makes a whole lot of sense. And it's because he came to his senses, and he came to his senses because God stirred it. Not because all of a sudden he said, I'm going to get God. God decided it's time to get him. Okay, all right, okay, okay. Hang on, hang on. I, I got scriptures, I got scriptures. All right, now watch this. Look at, well, I'm going to read Psalm 19, 1 through 4. Listen. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hands. I was walking, I walked I walk 27 miles on that boat. And I don't mean like, da, da, I mean, 27 miles. You know how many laps that is? I don't know how many laps is around that little track, but it was a lot. And one morning, it was sprinkling, and then it kind of turned into a rain. And so I'm walking along, and I turned. Let's see, I'll be going this way. And I turned the corner this way. Now listen to me. I wish I had a camera. I didn't have a camera. Right there, Brent, 50 yards off the boat was the rainbow. Have you ever seen the end of the rainbow that close? I did. And I'm telling you, right there in the ocean was the end of the rainbow. And there it was. And out of my mouth came, the heavens declare the glory of God. My goodness alive, look around. If you say, I don't know if there's a God. My goodness is saved, look around. 
What do you need to see? And he goes on and says these words. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. He said, there is no speech. There is no words. Their voice is not heard. They do it through the majesty of the, the visual. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the earth. You know, Leanne Womack sings that song. There is a God. There is a God. How much proof do you need? Look at your little baby in the face. Your little grandchild. How much proof do you need? Look at the majesty of the mountains. How much proof do you need? Wake up and see the sunrise. How much proof do you need? Wait and see the sunset. How much proof do you need? There is a God. There is a God. Get over your scientific I gotta have to knows and realize there is a God. This thing just couldn't happen. There's a God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 19, since what... Now listen, listen. I need to slow down again. Since what can be known about God is evident among them. How about people? What can be known about God is evident. Tell me about God stirring things up. What can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. See, while you're out there bumping around in life, You just watch out because God's going to bump into you. He loves you. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You don't need to be seeking God because He's seeking you. You turn around one day and bump smack into His face. Goes on and says this, For His invisible attributes, attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood uh, through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. How about that? Well, we got to hurry because i got three minutes. So, so in the end, verse number 18, he's where he says, I'll get up and go to my father. And I'll say to him, now this is a, this is a pretty good prayer. Here's what he's going to pray. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'll no longer be worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. See, see that's, that's a pretty good prayer. He, you know, he admits the fact that he sinned against God, that he's not worthy, and we're not, okay? And, and he says, I'll just ask to be a worker. You know why he said that? In his wildest dreams, he could not imagine being anything more than just a worker in his father's house. See, some of y'all wrestle with that, don't you? You got something in your past. And you think that because you got something in your past. Now, I'm talking about Christians now. You got something in your past that somehow makes you a second class citizen. Why don't you just reach up and slap Satan about the lie he's telling you? If you've been born again, if you're saved, you're not no second class citizen. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. So he sits there. He says, I'm not worthy. Okay? So, verse number 20, he gets up and he goes to the father. And while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. See me about bumping into God? He thought he was looking for his father. The father was looking for him. And when the father sees him a long way off, he ran and threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And here's the perfected prayer. Verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Boy, I need to be said. I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've sinned. I repent. I believe. And so the father kind of cuts him off. And tells the servants, go get, go get the robe and go get the ring and go get the sandals. And we don't have time to talk about all that. 
and bring that fatted calf and slaughter it. And let's party. Why? Because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So if we're honest, you might be here today and you might be lost. You know you're lost, but people don't know you're lost. Again, when I got saved, people went, how could that be? We thought you did everything. We just thought you were saved already. Ah, look good on the outside, stinking on the inside. Lost as a goose. And bumped right into Jesus one day in the Sunday school hour at the Faith Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. And I ain't never been the same since. So how about it, friend? Are you here today? And you'd be that coin, you're the moralist, you're Captain America. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew. I do things right, things right, things right. You need to understand you're just as lost as the worst sinner. And without Jesus, you won't make heaven. I'm telling you, without Jesus, you won't make heaven. You may have your name on the rolls of the Dorsville Baptist Church and First Baptist Church and Little Chapel Church and the Presbyterians and Methodists thrown in, but without Jesus, you won't make heaven. Maybe you're the kind of person to say, you know, I've sinned a little. Not as bad as some people I know, thank you. God just needs to understand. God doesn't understand, but he sure loves you. And he sent Jesus Christ to die for you too. And he's willing and ready to forgive your sins today. And if you count yourself as so bad, in your wildest dreams, you can't imagine God forgiving you. Guess what? He can and he will. He can and he will. And we're going to close our service this morning with something that we, are, we do every week. We want to try to throw a party. And we want to throw that party when someone trusts Jesus Christ as Savior. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And if you're here today and you realize that you're lost, that you sinned against Holy God, okay? You're lost, you sinned against Holy God. Today, you want to turn from your sin. You want to change your attitude about sin. And you want to choose to follow Jesus. We want to share with you how you can do that. Today, my friend Brent will be standing down front. Maybe if you know someone today who is lost and you'd like to come and pray for them, that'd be a great time. Perhaps God spoke to you about joining our church family. This would be a great time to do that. Whatever we can do to help you today as God speaks to your heart is exactly what we want to do. Lost, found, celebrate. Let's pray. Well, God, we sure thank you for this opportunity today. I'm sure glad you finally reached down and got my attention on that October morning in Valdosta, Georgia. After 21 years in church, 21 years of religion, I got saved. Thank you for that. Father, for my friend here today, where they count themselves as a moralist or they count themselves as just a mediocre sinner or the worst sinner in the house, your grace is sufficient. Thank you for David Higgs and David Nave making that so clear through the music today. So, Father, this is your time to draw men, women, and children to yourself. Have your way. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name.